0: I'm your host, Lawrence Stone. We've got your co-host, Jen Chung, and tonight we've joined by Dr. Helen Marchant. Helen has worked in Special Needs Unit at the Royal Dental Hospital, Melbourne, for the past 17 years and in private practices dedicated to special needs dentistry since 2011. She has held appointments at visiting specialists to the Peter McCollum Cancer Center and is an active demonstrator for the University of Melbourne the Special Needs Dentistry Department. In 2020, she became a fellow of the International College of Dentists. Helen has developed a particular interest in treating people with developmental um, disabilities, such as autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, and also enjoyed assisting older people who may have complex medical histories and or dementia. She has a holistic approach towards dentistry, developing treatment plans to suit each patient's individual needs. Dr. Helen Merchant, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks very much, Lawrence. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: (laughs) So, Melbourne is in their sixth lockdown and many people are talking about lockdown fatigue. How are you going? How's that kind of impacted your work?
1: Yes, it is very difficult, Um, but uh, a lot of my patients are really, well, A, they're very understanding um and a lot of them are quite isolated anyway we talk about um you know uh physical um, distancing and isolation isolate self-isolation etc but um you know a lot of my patients especially people with mental health issues um don't go out very much and you know in the early days of covid we were saying you know have you been to these exposure well we still ask it now exposure sites and they no we haven't we haven't been anywhere, and um, and actually during lockdown, because dentistry is a um, you know authorised um, service, um, they've been very excited to be able to come out um, during lockdown to go to the dentist. So. I must say, um, you know, a lot of their conditions are obviously we've got to be careful because the ADA has told us, you know, we've got to use our judgment um, and only see people where their conditions might deteriorate. Um, but I think with a lot of people with disabilities and special needs, um, you know, they really, uh, sometimes you can't examine them properly and the parents are very worried, etc. So just to give them that little bit of normalcy, um, I have definitely scaled down and don't see quite as many as I usually do. But, you know, I feel it's important to be there for them. And uh, and it's very nice when they say, oh, I'm so excited to come see you. And, um, you know, we're literally coming from home to the dentist and then back again. And I really know that that's what they're doing. And they really value, um, you know, coming to see us. So, um we try our best, you know, to do all the, um, obviously we stick to the regulations. Um, but you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, uh, you know, little bit of, um, leeway, I think we give ourselves. And I think that has really helped. Um, and, uh, yes, it's, it's lovely to support people as much as possible, really in these times.
0: Hmm. Has it been different this time around compared to the first lockdown uh, last year or?
1: Um, well, yes, it's definitely more fatiguing now because, uh, you know, when we were in the three months, you know, this time last year, we didn't really know we were in it. Um, whereas now I get the feeling that we're just starting into quite a long period again. Uh, so, you know, that's, that, I think that is hard for everyone um so i think it's really important to reach out to as many people as you can and um and try and talk and do these kind of things and and stay connected as much as much as you can so i yeah i think it's i think everybody's doing it tough now um i was at some home visits today again people you know worried about their um their teeth and uh they want some reassurance, um, and you know it's 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 really difficult. But uh, on a plus, everyone that I saw today was vaccinated. All the um, disability workers have been vaccinated. We've all been vaccinated. So you know there's a little bit of hope, isn't there, with that? We think. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a bit more on, um, hope, trend towards normality again. Yes. Yeah. Living yeah, with COVID. So. Yeah. 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 So before you were solely a special needs dentist, you were a general dentist. In fact, you're a UK community-based dentist. You know <laughs> what was your CPD journey at that time?
1: Yeah, so it was quite interesting, really, because um, when I finished university, we did a um, in the UK. They do the same model in New Zealand. Actually, they have house surgeons, so you can work in general hospitals. And it's generally oral surgery and orthodontics. Um, And um, so I got quite interested in oral surgery. Um, And so that's what I started doing. But then I realised it was a really long study (laughs) period. And um, I actually, by default, I sort of got a, a job in community and I realised then. I suppose that's what attracted me to oral surgery as well. Is that I was much more interested in the medical side of um, dentistry, perhaps, um, and and also you know dentistry in different settings and and looking at some of the barriers to towards dentistry um, and how it can be applied. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it was the variety of work um, that really attracted me to community dentistry in, in the UK, it's predominantly children. Um, but obviously you're working in different schools and settings, and there's a little bit of disability as well. Um, but I think the variety really, I really enjoyed that. Plus, um, the medical side of, of things, you know, uh, um, going towards special groups. Um, and, but I always wanted to travel overseas and I always wanted to do voluntary work somewhere. Um, and that's what sort of got me on the path to coming to Australia, really, um, because I worked in India and I worked in Nepal and Israel um, as a volunteer. And community dentistry really sort of set me up very well for that because, you know, I wasn't um, working in a conventional dental surgery um and um you know and you had to be really careful about your resources you know you had to really make things last and 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 do a lot with you know sort of what you had so that that was really a great experience um when i was doing the voluntary work um i always felt that i got more out of it than anybody else did But I guess, you know, I did do some dentistry and did get people out of pain, et cetera, along the way. Uh, And and that's how I sort of found myself in Australia because I met some Australians on the way in India and I sort of travelled on with them. But I never wanted to work in a city. I came to Melbourne first, um, but I really wanted to go to the outback and work with, you know, Indigenous people. So that's how I ended up sort of working for 10 years, almost 10 years in the Northern Territory um, and doing the flying doctor service, dentist service um, up there. And again, you know, different settings. And um, that's where I sort of, um, so I guess, you know, obviously I'm interested in teeth, but I'm really interested in the bigger picture. So looking at the whole body and then maybe the whole community um so 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 then um i heard about and you you might ask me later but <laughs> one of my influences <laughs> was a special care they they refer to it as special care dentistry in the uk um special care specialist over there one of my colleagues um she was in london and she told me about the fact that kings was um starting a master of um science course in community dental practice via distance learning. So um, this was a huge, you know, uh, CPD for me um, because computers were just starting to come in. This was early nineties um, or certainly just starting to come into my world. Anyway, <laughs> I know they were invented in the fifties or whatever it was, but uh, so, so um so uh, there I was sort of in the very remote um, communities in um, in the Northern Territory. I never worked in Darwin. Uh, that was my recreation spot to go to. Um, so main main centres I worked in was um, Nulamboy, which is in Gove, which is right on the corner tip of um, Arnhem Land on the northwest tip, uh, northeast tip, sorry, I should say, um, and Catherine. Um, and also a little stint in Tennant Creek. So um, I knew the territory quite well. Um, and that's where I did my <laughs> distance learning with King's um, College London. Uh, and, uh, and that was amazing because, you know, when you're studying and you're applying it in your everyday work, it's amazing, you know, because I was writing about, you know, the challenges of the communities and, um um, what I could bring to the communities and what the barriers were uh, and then there was a summer school every year that I went back to London um, for a couple of weeks and met up with the other people who were in other parts of the world um, and you know obviously that was you know really amazing um, so they were always asking me about crocodiles and you know <laughs> all that shrimp on the thing. barbie and, <laughs> it was this yeah that's right it was this big and the teeth were this big. Yeah, so um, so that was really amazing to be up there.
0: Um, yeah. Hey, guys. We're excited to count down to SidCon 22. For the next week leading up to SidCon, I've teamed up with ADA New South Wales to give away one free ticket to SidCon 22. To enter, all you have to do is post a photo on Instagram, tell us your favorite CBD course you've attended in the last two years, and tag ADA New South Wales Branch and CPD Junkie and hashtag SidCon22, hashtag CPT Junkie, hashtag contest. The contest will run from the 8th of March 22 to 14th of March 22 and the winner will be chosen at random and will be notified on the 15th of March 22. Choose your experience with a major dental event of 2022. Find out more and book www.sidcon.com.au So let me backtrack a little bit. So you, you graduated thinking you're going to do something in oral surgery, but you end up <laughs> yeah. at community um, clinic in the UK where you're dealing with a lot of kids. Correct. But at the same time, you've got a passion for traveling. You wanted to get out and be more than just about the teeth, but more than the person. You're more about the community and how it kind of all affects So you're traveling overseas and then you get there and then you're meeting lots of people on the way and then you meet some Australians who draw your attention to (laughs) Australia. And then you're here now in Australia and then you move out to the Outback in Northern Territory and you're spending a 10-year period there (laughs) with the Indigenous community and you come across a course that a friend has mentioned to you over in the UK. Now, was she already doing this course or was that something? No,
1: Um, this was, she was, she was doing the conventional course at Guy, at, um, not Guy's, at King's. Um, What was she doing? She might have even been working there. Um, Special care or special needs wasn't a specialty then. Mm. Um, So she was doing, she was sort of um, working in, I know what she was doing. She was one of the pioneers in treatment of people with HIV/AIDS in London um, because it was late eighties, um, you know, early nineties, and she was making an incredible, you know, impact in that field with the infection control, etc. And so she actually set up a clinic for predominantly for um, people with HIV/AIDS, and um, and so she was, you know inspirational in that way um and she had you know through her connections um she heard about the the course in at kings uh, yeah so that's how i really um came to to do it and both our careers have sort of evolved um and and i still talk to and we and also during covid one of our friends um has got together a a, a zoom group Of all my, um, you know, not all, but about ten of us who graduated together in in the mid '80s um, from Birmingham. Every Sunday we catch up, um, and Debbie's one of those people. So it's really lovely to um, to be still in touch with her and uh, and talk about, you know, how our careers have gone and and what's happening now. Um, So she works in um, uh, community dental practice, um, treating adults predominantly. And she's now a specialist in special care dentistry um, because the UK uh, adopted it was the New Zealand and Australia were the first to make it a specialty. Um, And then the UK and US sort of followed along, Um, which, you know, uh, that um, that's a whole. Yeah. So that was mid 2000s. Um, So. I don't know whether you want to ask me another thing or i'll just keep i can talk forever
0: obviously. well okay so so <laughs> you, you you so this new um special needs is not a thing yet and it's becoming a thing yeah. so then there's this course that you you're recommended to attend
1: yeah
0: i mean did you have any prior information as to what it was going to be about how it was structured um and then you know what kind of compelled you to say okay well this course sounds interesting it sounds like it aligns with the things that i'm doing i want to do it um and not maybe consider something else uh, um because like you said you know australian new zealand were kind of adopting this as a specialty so that was Mm. maybe a realm for that here as well
1: yeah well because i mean my oral surgery has always stuck me stood me in good stead because I find myself in in predicaments <laughs> uh in the outback uh in wherever taking teeth out and it's all and I always you know I've always liked that part of it um so so that's been good where was I going with that um so So the experience in community, oh, I know. So I was using that skill up in the territory. Uh, I mean, I guess one thing about working up there and and, uh, one exciting thing was for my big research project that I did um, with my masters, I did a health promotion program, which involved making a video um, promoting oral health. And um, so um, there was some um, song, uh, some um, teachers from Darwin, um, music uh, te- teachers, um, and they had got group- groups together of Indigenous people making. And, and one of their projects was for them to write a song about teeth. So for me, so um, it was a really living thing. Um, you know, the the Indigenous people were doing these music workshops um, in, you know, with these uh, these uh, teachers doesn't sound the right word, um, but the 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 specialists, you know, sp- special music um, inspirations really uh, coming from Darwin and getting the band together. And funnily enough, I needed a song about teeth to go on my video, um, and so they they, they produced this song all in their Yungo language. Um, and um, so I did this health promotion project, um, which was you know, incredible. Um, and to go back to your original question, uh, the course that I did in King was community dental practice. So that was really the emphasis of the course. It was about the community. So um, a couple of things that I really learned about um, oral health in these, um, or health in general, Um, the most important thing in in indigenous communities is um, people's diet and also environmental health. So, and these two things really impact oral health, Um, you know, the the diet obviously, um, but also the environment, you know, where do you keep your toothbrush, you know? have you got a clean place to put your toothbrush and to keep your oral hygiene products, etc.? Often people don't, so that's a big barrier. Um, so it was really sort of um, looking at those community aspects that you just don't learn in, in your undergraduate dental degree. Um, the other thing that was really amazing about the course of Kings then was that when we went on our summer school we had to spend some time in a nursing home an aged care home and we had to critique you know what we thought was good and what we thought was bad about the or not so good (laughs) about the actual nursing home itself you know what was the care like what was the um you know uh, what was your general impression of the place um you know so it and, and then you sort of Homed into the oral health care but you know the oral health is just a small part of everything else so so that was that was really that really had a big impact on me I suppose as well um and 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 that's where sparked my interest in geriatric dentistry or gerodontology um, which I do a little bit of um, now I really enjoy and this is something that actually I do talk to, I have given some lectures about to undergrads because I think this is an area of dentistry that every general dentist is going to, um, you know, face. We're all living longer and keeping our teeth longer. So, you know, and yeah, so gerodontology is is a very relevant um, sort of field of special, a part of special needs dentistry, but also it will be something that general dentists will need to you know to look into more i think um
0: right so you're saying that the community dental aspect of it that they were talking about was really kind of what empowered you to kind of take this course amongst other courses that were out there
1: yeah for sure i don't think i looked at any other courses my friend debbie just said do this and i did it
0: (laughs) so so you've done you so you do this masters right And then you ultimately, at some point, returned to Melbourne and specialised. Tell us about it. Yeah, so,
1: so what happened was, much as I liked taking teeth out, I realised that up in, unfortunately, uh, that was probably the main thing I was doing up in the Territory. Um, and, you know, I was trying to do the health promotion preventive aspect, um, and that was working to a point um, but still a long way to go because the services are still quite well were quite sporadic I mean I wasn't you know I couldn't be in all the communities at once and and one golden rule of health promotion is you can't promote health and promote prevention without providing the core services as well you know you you can't just you know people still have toothaches they still have um, you know, other things they need tending to. So, um, uh, so the dentistry side of things, um, I was thinking, mm, yeah, it's great taking teeth out. Um, but I actually, I suppose I was getting more and more um, swayed towards, with the community aspect, aspect, of course, you get into policy and, um, you know, dental public health policy. How do you change things from, you know, why am I standing there taking teeth out all day? I don't want to be doing that. Um, And that's not good for the community. As a dentist, I can't change that. You know, I've got a queue a mile long outside, people with toothache, and you just take teeth out. out. With the Health Promotion Project, that's what you're trying to change. But also you need uh, support from above the health department, the policy makers you know, where are they gonna put the funds? Are they gonna put funds into health promotion or are they just gonna put continue to put funds into taking teeth out and then nothing will change? Um, so I suppose at that stage, I was getting more interested in policy and um, through another Birmingham contact, uh, Nikki Kilpatrick, who you probably perhaps know, she used to run the um, the dental clinic at the Children's Hospital here in Melbourne, and she's still a, a big influencer in Melbourne dental scene. Um, she she um, she heard that they were looking for a policy advisor in the health department down in Melbourne. So here I was up in the northern territory with the crocodiles, and you know, and I hadn't really had any experience, much experience in policy, and. I was so fortunate to have a, um, a position with Dr. John Rogers in the Health Department (DHS) as it was then um, down here in Melbourne. So I moved from the, you know into the big smoke down here, and I had a desk job. And uh, this was a really new um, and exciting time for me as well. Um, and fortunately. John said to, you know, he said, Look, I advise you don't give, do, um, you know, the policy work full time. I think you should do a day a week um, clinical. So I worked at a community health centre in Pran. Um, it was called Inner South Health, Inner South Community Health Service back then. I, it's got a new name. I did see it recently. It's near South Melbourne Market and in um, Pran. And there they had, special needs programs. They had HIV, AIDS program, they had homeless program, they had um, people affected with drug and alcohol. uh, They had mental health, which they called dental as anything. Um, And they were very innovative. Um, And they, they, it was really an incredible community health centre to work in. So I was there for a day a week. And so that was again getting me into the community dental practice side of things, but I also I had experience with the rest of the week in policy, and I realised policies it's very challenging, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and um, I enjoyed it and really got to understand how things you know work and how everything you know and the funding and trying to get funding for dental. And, you know, in this big pool of money, which is the bucket, uh, the you know, the um, bucket, the, um, the budget, you know, the health budget, um, you know, we're a little small fry in oral health. And sort of John Rogers, uh, you know, just did an amazing job constantly trying to get more funding for oral health. Um, and so that was an incredible experience as well. But I guess my heart lies in the clinical work, really. Um, and I really enjoyed that time. Um, and uh, so ask me about the, my next CPD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which, is, which is where you'd come to specialising.
1: No, no, actually, because no? I have I just thought of another one. I did a business management diploma. Where well, I started it up in the Territory and I finished it in Melbourne. And it was through University of Adelaide. And uh, that was, and it was really for, Oh, I mean, it was for public sector management. That's what it was. So that was not dental. Um, and that was really fascinating because we had um, people from the public sector from all different departments, police, firemen, fire uh, service, um, you know, other parts of health. It was very competitive to get into it. Um, and because it was, you know, it was going, people wanting to go higher up in policy and, you know, in their various departments. And um, so I finished it off in Melbourne and I, uh, as my project with that, I, I used, I had to do a review of a service. And so the health department um, wanted to review the Q um, residential services, which is a big, was a v- big facility for people with disabilities, this is where disability comes in. Um, so in Q in Melbourne, big facility, and it was going to be. It was reviewed with a view of closing it in the late nineties. Um, so I just sort of, um, and they had a dental clinic there, and so I found myself reviewing this service, and honestly, that was a huge learning curve. You know, to actually be there with my clipboard and pen and paper going and interviewing people and you know looking at the sort of services that they needed and they were providing in the dental clinic um, and writing all that up and that's where my real interest in disability and developmental disabilities um, you know sort of started and at the same time um, special needs dentistry was becoming a specialty. Um, and so I ha- left the health department and went to work at the dental hospital in, in the special needs unit with a view to um, specializing. So that's how I came to, uh, yeah, that be um, specialized in
0: 2005. Wow. <laughs> and then you put yourself, <laughs> you threw yourself back into the books to go and study to specialise in and finally specialise.
1: Yes, <laughs> correct.
0: Was, was it um, what you expected it to be?
1: Well, there was no course then. So I, they call it, um, yeah, so I was sort of grandfathered into the specialty, um, but that doesn't mean it was not, it What certainly wasn't easy. Because we had to pass the fellowship exams um, at the Royal College in Sydney, um, and so our um, our ACDS, uh, and uh, they ha- we had to have a logbook of all our patients for the past couple of years to show that our experience to show our experience with special needs patients. And we had to do some case reports, um, and we had to do the exams. So it was quite a, it was a sort of self-directed, really, I suppose, course in a way because there wasn't any, um, wasn't a course. Um, and so that's where I, at the dental hospital, I got the, um, the patients to for my case reports and my logbook, and and managed to, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, jump that bar um regarding experience um and then i went to sydney um to do the exams and i was three months months pregnant with my son at that stage so um and he was diagnosed to be autistic when he was just before he was six so anyway great leap but it all kind of all fitted in together so i managed to specialize and um then the next year my son arrived <laughs> and that's the next chapter <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i think jen's got a question for you yeah well so you know that i'm an undergrad i haven't graduated officially yet so we're not really we're taught uh, special needs but not as much emphasis goes to it like uh you know, crowns, bridges, the endo, what are the highlights that you cherish and some of the challenges
1: you faced in special needs? Um, well, obviously, you know, I didn't really know much about disability. Um, going into that residential home and doing a review, you know, that was daunting, that was really challenging. Um, and, you know, some of the assumptions I had, um, you know, it. I think that, yeah, the challenging thing was just putting your foot into a whole new world. <laughs> uh, and, um, but that was the beautiful thing as well. And that's the thing that I think the families, um, you know, are, are the main, um, you know, the highlight of special needs dentistry. And especially with people with, with um, developmental disabilities. Um, you know, so this is disabilities that people are born with. Um, and and it takes a, you know, a huge adjust, adjustment, um, you know, for families. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's, that's both the challenges and the sort of highlights really. And I suppose, you know, um, when my son got his diagnosis, um, it was again, you know, um, just, it gave me a real sense of other. And I think, you know, being a, a professional person and, you know, I guess achieved quite a lot academic, academically, etc. cetera. Um, you do realize you live in a bit of a bubble really. And, and you just sort of think that, um you know uh if things are, st- are straightforward and 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 you know you know one way of doing things um of course we all only know what we experience as individuals but um you know i think it's really broadened my outlook to life and also you know i mean being a parent for a start i mean i think any parent will tell you that you know it's a huge change um, but um, being a parent of, uh, with, of someone who, you know, thinks so differently to how you do is, <laughs> is um, you know, another challenge and, and you know, uh, it's very enriching. So, I mean, I can tell you, you know, there's lots of little anecdotes and things um, obviously through the time that I've um, had with um, in in the specialty Uh, and, and most of the time, you know, it's, it's uh, very funny. (laughs) Well, you mentioned endodontics and crowns and things. Um, so yeah, the, neither of those things have been, I've done a lot of both, uh, over the time and endodontics, you know, look, it's, it's a good thing to know about and to be able to do definitely. You know people who are anxious often have to um you know leave their dentistry till it's too late and they need endodontics. so it's you know you obviously need to be skilled in those areas um but i think i think there comes a point in your career which i think is really good when you you kind of realize that these are the things you enjoy and you're good at and these are the things that you recognize that you don't Quite so much enjoy and you're perhaps not quite so good at and but you know who to go to for help and you know who to refer to um and so um you know that's that gives you a great sense of working at you know as a team with your colleagues and and that is really lovely and i, I know a lot of general practices that work which work really well um in that way people might not have specialized but they've got their things that they like doing and i think and they're best at and I think that's one thing that is really good because dentistry is very challenging and um stressful at times so if you can just concentrate on the things you like um that's really nice but it's hard when you're starting out because you've got to really have a bit of a just a you know base of a little bit of everything and then and then you can start sort of um doing more of what you what you like doing. Um, mm. So I think that's, that's, that's really important to sort of, don't try and be good at everything. I mean, some people are good at everything. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think you don't feel bad if you don't feel you are <laughs> good at everything, if that's, that makes sense. Um, but I mean, one challenging thing is uh, with people with disabilities, there's often not a lot of choice in terms of replacement of teeth. I think that's really hard. That's a, that's a really, really challenging thing. And also the perception that everybody's having implants, you know, with the, the media and the, you know, the uh, focus on that, um, that, that makes it really difficult because people, people just, um, you know, assume that they can get implants, implants and, um, and they don't realise that obviously, you know, implants need fantastic oral hygiene and they can get peri-implantitis and, you know, other complications. So, you know, it's not for everybody um, to have implants. Uh, So that's a conversation that I have a lot. And and that can be quite, quite challenging really, because, um, you know, people with disabilities often can't wear removable appliances. So, um, you know, that, that's really hard. Um, but you, you, you know, you've just got to have a very pragmatic approach really. Um, and, um, you know, and uh, sort of, you know, it's really about if people aren't concerned so much about aesthetics or if they aren't concerned about function, I mean, if they're functioning okay in terms of eating, um, then, you know, you can be much more practical, um, about what, you're going to provide for them um so yeah those are the two real things that you know you've got to consider Mm.
0: well well, that's right i guess what you you know it is interesting because for many graduates um, who come up with not a deep understanding or special needs you know um they come across these patients with these developmental disabilities and like you said by no means is it easy and it you know, you've mentioned a few things already, but are there any other particular tips and tricks um, that comes with managing these cases? Is it about having the whole team um, kind of ready, prepared, are they, like sensory toys that you uh, might use?
1: Yeah, I think preparation is the main thing because I think what happens is um, general dentists, they might get somebody with a disability coming in and they don't just don't know anything about, about what's um, you know they're just completely unprepared for it. So it starts right at reception. Um, if and and you hope that the person who's booking the person with disability in will tell you know will will give some information. Um, but the more prepared you can be. Um, so if your receptionist you know tells you oh um, somebody um, made a a call today and they've booked in their son and he has down syndrome and it's uh, and we thought we you know it's in your book for you know a week's time well then you can prepare and you might ring the parent and say oh i believe you know um uh, trevor's been booked in with me um and can you tell me a bit about him and um you know how will he be when he comes into the room um what does he like uh you know what what might him off has he been before Um, so you know you can just get those um, questions and I think if there's only if you only have a person with disability every now and again then you can spend that time um, you know uh, finding out about um, you know or talking to colleagues etc and saying oh what's the best way to approach this person you know and the thing is to remember is that the family knows that person the best, and they will be an expert in that, um, in in the syndrome, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and and don't be scared to ask them. Um, and don't 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 feel that you've got to be an expert in that particular. I mean, uh, I picked a, a reasonably common chromosomal um, sort of uh, syndrome, but you know there are thousands of hundreds, of, uh, you know, of different um, chromosome, you know, aberrations or syndromes, et cetera. And you can't, you know, hope, help, hope to know. And that's where the internet and having your, you know, you can just Google stuff. You can look at, you know, there are some very good sites these days. I mean, when we first started with the internet, you know, you, have, you still have to be careful wh- which sites you go on. But as you know, there's some, you know, you can get some amazing information at your fingertips. And so you can look things up very quickly. Um, and parents really appreciate, you know, they, they, they don't expect you to be, you know, an expert in it. Um, but they do expect you to have an inquiring mind and to ask questions and to be interested and to listen to them. Um, and so it really is about engaging the team, you know, saying, oh, look, I don't know much about this um syndrome you know can you tell me about it and how does it affect Trevor you know your son um, and, and and you know that way they the the parents or the carers you know they feel that you're trying you know you're trying your hardest to understand and to engage um, so I think that's that's the real so having that um interest um it 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 really makes a huge difference um, So in my registration forms, every patient I have has special needs, obviously. Um, And so we have the registration form and and people can put, you know, there's questions about, it's on my website and, you know, questions about what might um, frighten them or what might motivate them or what might calm people down, Um, you know, so you can just get some pointers. And after you've been doing it for a while you know, you can see some common themes. Um, and on, that's the part that I really enjoy is seeing a new patient who I don't know anything about other than what they've written there. And, um, and, and you just sort of embrace the situation. And uh, we had a parent, you know, a father lying down on the floor with his son lying on, on him, autistic boy. Um, And, you know, you just go with it. Um, You have another one who's climbing up on the cupboards and you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, don't fall off. Um, You know, that you you give them time, I suppose, um, and you you work with the people that they're coming with. So, um, you know, it's about slowing down uh, and uh, trying to not have that sort of fix it mentality because we're practical people you know we're fixing teeth we're doing stuff to teeth and we're getting every little bit off uh, you know calculus and we're you know perfectionists you've got to sort of step back from that and look at the person and then you know you aim for is he going to sit in the chair Um, is he going to stand up Uh, where is is he going to sit next to his parent Um, you start with a toothbrush that's something familiar and then and then the parent says, "Oh no, he really hates having his teeth brushed." So you go, "Oh, that's not going to help much, then, is it?" <laughs> you know, um, a face mirror. Does he like looking at himself himself in the mirror? Um, you know, that's so. These kind of tools, um, you sort of really strip it back to the basics, really. Mm. Um, if you can get a visual examination and just building up trust, and YouTube and a screen definitely helps too. Um, so. You know yeah. it's it's all that it's having fun really
0: <laughs> yeah no i hear what you're saying you know so <laughs> a lot of this is about slowing down the procedure giving time for them everyone to kind of feel comfortable work out where the comfort zones are where are you know and then trying different things you i mean there's no way to know until you try it unless they've told you in prior experience and so no, i hear you so on top of that you know to add an extra level of difficulty You've, you know, patients sometimes come from non-speaking English backgrounds. You know, you've had the experience of working in an Indigenous community, but in maybe more metropolitan communities, still there are people that might come in that don't have an English-speaking background. How do you kind of tackle that kind of issue?
1: Well, I mean, I guess technically we try to get interpreters um, wherever we can, if we need to. Um, and and again, you know, it's... Um, I mean, I suppose communication is we put a lot of emphasis on the verbal um, communication. And obviously we've got to make sure people understand in terms of consent, et cetera. Um, but um, a lot of communication is through body language and tone of voice, et cetera. So um, it, it's really I, I don't find it um, too much of a, problem if you're using an interpreter as well you've got to be careful using family members as an interpreter i mean that's you know
0: some bias across the board yeah. yeah across
1: the board you've got to be careful with that um but there are some very good uh, phone interpreters that you can use um and i guess people with disabilities I, people with developmental disabilities i guess um that a lot of people, I was thinking about this today because I saw that you had a question about that. And um, I don't see, not in private practice, I don't see too many people with um, who have don't come from an English speaking background. Um, and I just wonder whether, I guess, immigration policies are pretty strict and people with disabilities who come from overseas, I don't know, I, I don't know what whether they you know, have access to coming to Australia, you know, as as much as other people do. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, difficulty with going to another, emigrating to another country if you've got a person with a disability in your family. So, yeah. you know, you probably, we probably don't come across that. So No, I hear what you're, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So yeah. they're,
0: they're probably... Um, a situation would probably be like they've already made contact with someone else prior to yourself first, and they've already started to build a slow network, and then that community might reach out to yourself, and then they will have a representative that might be able to kind of communicate and understand. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I hear what you're saying.
1: And and um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I do have. There are parents. Yeah, I mean, I think to navigate, you know, the disability sector with, you know, you you've got to have a pretty good handle on English, really. Um, you know, it's 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 really. I can see that it's a kind of a a, a a bias in the community that we probably don't have those families who are from non-English people's speaking backgrounds with. With disabilities, so uh, interesting point. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because I,
0: I would imagine like if borders were open back up again, and you were um, volunteering overseas again, and you came across someone that had this kind of difficulty, yeah. and obviously yeah. you have a knowledge for it, but you've got mm. a patient that can't doesn't quite understand what they're going through. I mean, I can only imagine the difficulty um, mm. that might. But that's why we posed the question you know um, it's a
1: great question definitely and and it makes me realize how much we um you know we don't um use the verbal um you know you might simplify the language a lot anyway um and and a lot of our patients my patients are non-verbal so you know english as such is is probably not so important a lot of the time Mm.
0: um
1: you know it's in the day-to-day looking at teeth um obviously you've got to when people are going to general anesthetics this can be an issue there's a lot of paperwork there's a lot of things to digest Um, but again you know there are professional interpreters uh, that you can help and Mm. you know as you say people have often got their own networks and they've been navigating this for you know however old their child is um and so they're, they're you know it's it's sort of um
0: there's a community and support network around there being built up. Yeah, yeah, there
1: often is there often is yeah mm.
0: absolutely mm. well dr helen machant thank you for coming on the show you know we've surprised the time has definitely flew by uh-huh. um we had so many more questions we wanted to ask you um But let the people know how they can reach out to you or find um, you and, you know, what's all, what's kind of going on in your life at the moment.
1: Ah, well, um, okay. Well, um, how to find me? Um, I mean, I do have a website, Western Special Needs Dentistry. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I'd love to hear from people. If anybody um, wants to come and spend a day in my practice and and learn something about special needs, I suppose I should correct you on one thing with the introduction because I don't actively teach on the university course um, anymore, but I used to. Um, and I do know that the um, the course, the specialist course with University of Melbourne, they have an ex- uh, amazing experience going to lots of different institutions, um, you know, the Alfred Hospital, Monash Health, um, and, uh, you know, they really do get a good experience with, um, uh, you know, the the communities of special needs people in Melbourne.
0: If you like this episode, drop a comment below on your favourite part or leave a review. Don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of CP Junkie Podcast.